0: Hi, I'm Mike Phil. I'm Mike Butler. And you're listening to the Forgotten Cinema Generic Ad. Join us every Wednesday as we talk about films that seem to be forgotten by audiences. Whether it be because a more popular movie was released at the same time, or the film simply didn't catch on with an audience in its initial run. We'll discuss what we love about the film, maybe don't love about it, but we'll always recommend you revisit it. You never know, you might find your own forgotten gem. Forgotten Cinema is available wherever you get your podcasts, or at ForgottenCinemaPodcast.com or ForgottenEntertainment.com, as we are a proud part of the Forgotten Entertainment Podcast family i swear i talk more in the episodes
1: hello there i'm colleen i'm anders and i'm daniel we're nerds who love science fiction and fantasy stories so of course we love Star Wars. And if there's one thing the internet definitely doesn't have enough of, it's nerds talking about Star Wars. So each episode, we journey to a galaxy far, far away to discuss what's new in the Star Wars canon and beyond with yet another Star Wars podcast. From the endless sand dunes of Tatooine
0: to the highest levels of Coruscant, we cover it all.
1: Yet another Star Wars podcast is available wherever you get your podcast and is proudly part of the Forgotten Entertainment family.
0: Hi, I'm Sharmar Griffith, codenamed Comic Shams. And I'm Andrew Tejada, codename Arate. I'm a Blurred with a love for artwork and comics and animation. And I'm a writer and Blurred with a love for pretty much the same things. We grew up together and spent most of our formative years watching and talking about DC superhero shows and content. In fact, we still do.
1: Every episode, we will discuss a DC production, compare it to its original source material, and share our thoughts on the adaptation.
0: We've enjoyed our conversations these past couple of decades, and we think you will too. This season, we'll put a shock to our system by covering Static Shock, the animated series on Yet Another DC Animated Podcast. Welcome to yet another episode of Yet Another DC Animated Podcast. My name is Shamar Griffith, codenamed Comic Champs. And I am Andrew Tejada, codenamed Arate. Andrew and I have known each other since 1996. That was the year Dunstan checks in the, the movie where a chimp is in
1: a hotel because of reasons.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. I had a crazy flashback. I saw it. I played the whole movie in my head just now. <laughs> it's it's one of
1: those animal stunts movies. So if you like animal stunts and and George Costanza from Seinfeld, here you go. This is your movie. I
0: I know the connection. But that whole setup just sounds like it could have been trouble, especially in our first episode today where we had trouble <laughs> squared. It has nothing to do with that, but I, I can just tell like there, it, it, there's too many levels that it hits.
1: <laughs> Don't worry, guys. There will be a monkey later on.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's <laughs> no, no monkeys are harmed in the making of these episodes, <laughs> at least real monkeys. <laughs> so we're starting off today with Static Shock season three. We're talking about episodes eleven through thirteen. We got. Trouble Squared, Toys in the Hood, and wrapping it up, we got Parent Trap. So we got basically every single 90s themed movie you could think of name. This this is it here, right?
1: Yeah, this is a pretty good blast from the past. So uh, you know, all the millennials out here suffering with us. Here's here's your shot, here's your chance. Oh,
0: which I'm gonna use that for the name of today's episode, Blast from the <laughs> Past. Ah, nice, <laughs> nice. Mainly because it really boils down to our Static cast list, especially there's a lot of nostalgia here as we have the main cast The Static is back. We got also Patton Oswalt and Michael Roosevelt are back as Specs and Trapper. We also got... Boy. Yeah. <laughs> Love these two. The, the dynamic duo that nobody ever wanted. <laughs> Kerrigan Mahan returns as Edwin Alva. As you remember, Kerrigan Mahan is also the voice of Goldar from the Power Ranger series. We got coming up George Newburn as Superman. Ah, what a classic, what a class act. (laughs) Yes. You got to love the nostalgia here. Superman was unable to join for the crossover episode that we have with the league of their own. So he finally got his one-on-one time with static. I guess this is the final round interview that static had to go through for, for the justice league, I guess. Yeah. There's several rounds of tryouts,
1: you know, you have to, uh, you have to go through their HR process uh, make sure you haven't said anything racist in the past. And then they you check your Twitter account. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they definitely scan your Twitter for everything.
0: And finally, wrapping it up, we have in our parent trap episode, we have the return of Shebang. We also have the return of her parents. One voice there we actually have is Phil Morris, a uh, great character actor we've had seen in a lot of stuff in the recent years. And also, he before going on to become the Hellboy character, Ron Perlman stops by for this episode as Dr. Koenig, a.k.a. Heavy Man.
1: I knew it the whole time. I was like, is that Slade? <laughs> is that Slade Wilson from Teen Titans? <laughs> Thank you. For it's just like in Teen Titans, me. he
0: don't like them teens.
1: He really- <laughs> <laughs> no, there were so many parallels.
0: <laughs> well, before we head on over to meet Ron, uh, we're going to stop first with Trouble Squared, where... We're actually taking it back, another blast from the past, to the animation style of season two.
1: Yeah, I assume this was another supposed to be season two episode because, again, gear is conspicuously not gear anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so how do you get to <laughs> Yeah, he, he just seems to be just hanging out. And uh, yeah, so uh, Static is at the community center. He's using his powers to do the most charitable thing, which is fix the arcade machine. And the broken arcade machine is symptomatic of the centers having some financial problems. They've run into a little bit of hurdle with money as in they don't look like they have any.
0: Yeah. And this is where we get a chance to see Robert Hawkins. He's on the phone. He's, you know, trying to get some grants to really get the community center to continue on. Unfortunately, Virgil tries to offer some kind of money, but as we would expect from a 15 year old kid, his wallet is his wallet is so empty that not even the, cartoon fly comes out of it Ugh,
1: that's that's a big insult you know <laughs> can't even yeah. buy a job breaker <laughs>
0: <laughs> You're broke, kid your, your bro. <laughs> so luckily though for Virgil he will learn about where he can make money as yes, today's career day at school he is on a trip with Daisy Richie and the rest of his people in his class as they head on over to Alva Industries as we know Alva Industries is the place we do not like
1: yeah, it's also weird that the career day was a field trip. Like, normally, isn't that in school? It's one or the other.
0: <laughs> this, this it's this got <laughs> to be a balance. You can't be having both.
1: Yeah, it's it's a weird it's a weird turn, but while at Alva Industries, where they where Static does mention this is where he had his first one of his first major throwdowns, we see our favorites Specs and Trapper, who mm. have nothing better to do than to insult some high school kids and complain how bored they are probably making at least triple hundred thousand
0: figures that we'll not see in a while <laughs> oh gosh and what's even worse they start bragging about like oh yeah we're on this really cool secret project with Alva. i don't know how i imitated that voice so well I, I <laughs> <laughs> anyway i um They're on this really secret project with Eldon Alva. They're just bragging about that once again. But Virgil's just like, no, this does not seem right. Especially everything that they put him through back in season one. So Virgil decides to investigate to see what the secret project is. As he um, puts on his static costume later that night. And as he's flying around in this really cool stealth mission, which I, I love because he's manipulating the cameras all around him and all these other things. However, as he finally comes across to where the Specs and Trapper are, he sees a whole bunch of other scientists and it's clear that they're trying to reanimate the once petrified Edwin Alva Jr.
1: Yeah. I thought this was a really cool callback because we, the last time we saw him, he was too jacked and he got so jacked that he turned to stone. And <laughs> as at least that's how I remember it. And his father was left bewildered. He didn't know how to fix him. So it looks like this new project will finally be able to reanimate the the Al- alva junior but while this is such a you know innovative and special project and statics like even statics like hmm, i guess so specs and trapper are still bored as hell they want to really impress alva alva but alva has no time for that because they are so close to reanimating his son with this huge machine so while alva rejects their pitch we see that Specs and Trapper have built at least one laser helmet and they seem very eager
0: to use it. So, yeah, now that uh, Specs and Trapper, it seems that they've decided to join in on the super villain game here as they don these new costumes and are now calling themselves Spectral and Speed Trap.
1: I mean, it's not as bad as kick and push, <laughs> <laughs> you know? So, all right, but. I'm still not happy
0: about it. The main issue that I have with their, it's not even the names. I think the the names kind of make sense when you hear them describe their powers. But then when you hear what the abilities are, they're just too impossible for me. (laughs) (laughs) There's no way you can do this. So basically Specs turned himself into a Green Lantern with the power of the elements. Like he's Captain Planet. Yeah, he can, like, generate,
1: again, that Android 17 field and, like, shoot any... Like, yeah, he had, like, seven elemental powers or something like that.
0: Right. Like, if he suit? shot the red one, he could turn... he could. It was legit fire. He can also freeze things if it was blue. This is too much. <laughs> yeah, and Speed Trap is absolutely broken
1: because he can... I think it's kind of implied he can mess around with time, but I think it's supposed to be kinetic energy to be somewhat realistic, but... He can slow down and speed things up independently. Like, are you the Flasher?
0: <laughs> I was, yeah, because I was just like, "There's no way that you could just build." It was also put into a gauntlet. There, uh, no, no, no. This is impossible. Regardless, that of- this is not the Infinity Gauntlet. There's no, and you even then you needed like stones in order to make that work. There's no way that he could mess around with kinetic energy that much.
1: Yeah, it is a it is a definite hack. They're definitely OP, which is why Spectral and Speed Trap absolutely kick Static's ass Mm -hmm. in this fight. I mean, honestly, Static had no chance. Gear's not around. He's their powers are so OP and they kidnap Static. And again, they call him the Kilowatt Kid. It's coming back.
0: (laughs) It was a little confusing though, because it was just like this episode was supposed to drop in season two. So I was just like, "Do we do we have to give credit to Specs and Trapper versus Harley for the Kilowatt Kid?" I'm not okay. Cool. <laughs> just let,
1: all right. <laughs> so uh, Static is just coming out of consciousness, and his sister catches on, calls calls up Richie. Richie uses a classic bathroom excuse that. Virgil's in the bathroom with that tuna noodle surprise.
0: We need to count Damn. how many of these that they've used in terms of like how many bathroom excuses they've gone through so far.
1: Yeah, There's so ah, we should have kept out from the beginning because I can make it with <laughs> at least five off the top of my head. And but luckily, Richie calls static and this wakes static up just in time. As spectral and speed trap are showing that they captured static to Alva, and Alva's like, I ain't asked for this. <laughs> <laughs>
0: This is the exact way. It was just like, this is why you need to ask your teachers about what extra credit assignments are actually available. Don't jump ahead. Because Alva is just pissed right now because he's just like, your main job was to basically help with the issues of my son. You brought the person who basically ruined my life. I do not care about this right now. And there's nothing that Static can do that can help with Edwin Alva Jr. becoming unpetrified. So now it's leading to this point where Alva is just trying to figure out what's the best course of action, while static at the same time. Because he doesn't, he's able to generate enough energy, he's able to send off a charge that is long enough to distract them all, and then he's able to fly out. But before he does fly out, this is where I'm assuming we are getting this week's static shocking damage report.
1: Oh, yes, because this week, during the course of the battle inside Alpha Industries with Spectral and Speedstrap, Static destroys approximately four Windows 95 computers. (laughs) And I think the the destruction of these early PCs was enough to derail the project for three to four months. It looks like this is the old... It looks like just that they were like... And they specifically are like, the computers were too damaged. It's like, it's four PCs! Why couldn't you, did you not have some backup on floppies? Like, what is going on?
0: See, this is already right here. Edwin Alva doesn't care about, you know, backing up anything. He only cares about the future, except for if it incriminates him. Because remembering back to that first time we met Edwin Alva, he was like, back up all my criminal activities on the floppy disk. <laughs> <laughs> so now that Static is is able to escape, this is when Al- Edwin Alva just rips a new one into Specs and Trapper. He, we don't get a chance to see it unfortunately. Although I would definitely pay for this cut of the episode.
1: Release the spectral cut. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so as they are walking out, they're heading back to their, I'm guessing they're on on campus living arrangement. And this is where they see two officers just hanging out in front of the building. And they're immediately told that they're no longer allowed on the grounds. They've been they will be charged for trespassing. And despite all of their stuff still being inside the, the rooms that they're trying to head into, Edwin Alva has now said that they are basically persona no grata into this whole entire establishment.
1: Yep. And, you know, as is with normally privileged dudes, they decide to, this entitles them to do whatever they want. So they immediately, after saying that there are more sons... More sons to Alva than that block of cement, which is damn cold blooded. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. What is wrong with these dudes? They decide the next logical course of action is to steal the stone Alva Junior and demand a ransom. So when they try to lure, um, when they try to lure Alva into a trap, luckily Static is in there and protects Alva from this giant robot. But he still has to deal with the matter of ransom and Spectral and Trapper, who have owed, who pressed all the cheat codes down on the game and can do everything now.
0: So now this turns into a full on basically manhunt for Specs and Trapper. Virgil unfortunately got into some trouble at home for coming in so late. And this is where we find out once again uh, that the community center truly is in trouble. Because after a previous conversation, you know, we learned that it's basically in danger of being shut down completely. And because of that stress, Virgil's dad was really pissed off of the fact that he got back home pretty late. And we don't get a chance to spend too much time on this conversation as um, Virgil and Richie are having it over at Get Your Grub On. This is where we um, see that, like, basically, Edwin Alva has access to mercenaries as they're scouring through Dakota and they head into an abandoned warehouse where they immediately get attacked by, I want to say this was an upgraded version of the Alva machine from that episode where um, the thing that was tracking Virgil, the one that was like encased in ceramic. But this time around, it's like the Edwin Alva machine has basically eight Shack, and it is way bigger than we ever expected.
1: Yeah. Somewhere in a static universe, they just build robots bigger and bigger and that's just the solution to everything.
0: And yet we and... never get a Gundam in this episode.
1: <laughs> Where is our Gundam? Release the Gundam cut. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but robots are no
1: match for Static at this point. So he easily defeats it. And since Alva and Static kind of want to do want the same thing here, they decide to team up, form a temporary alliance to get the stone Alva Jr. back. And Virgil quickly pieces together that they're probably in a familiar location. They're and it goes back to the school from season one. So they, you see Spectral and Trapper. They are ready to blow up Alva Jr. Stone with a bomb if their ransom is not paid. And unfortunately, Alva is a cheap-ass dude.
0: (laughs) Yeah, because he decides instead of paying Spectral and Trapper, he pleads with static to basically go look for his son. And I do love this moment because static is just like, why do I even need to help you? Like everything you've done has been detrimental to our entire city of Dakota. You have done many things to try to hurt me, but he does ultimately agree. And he's able to take down Spec spectral and speed trap, but not before they see that there's only a few seconds. Like we're, we're saying like two seconds left on the clock So Static does a really smart thing here where he takes the knocked out speed traps technology and uses it to aim it at the bomb. And he's able to slow down the count of the bomb, which now makes me really question, like, what kind of what is it actually manipulating still? Because it does not make any sense.
1: Yeah, like bombs, the kinetic energy of the explosion. And doesn't No, it doesn't make any sense. There's there's just you can't. I don't know. I don't know what's going on. I just know that Static gets the Alva Jr. Stone out of there in time. He, for a minute, seems willing to let them blow up in that
0: explosion, too. And he definitely did have that minute because he slowed down the time. So he he definitely yeah. was standing there thinking, I was like, I could, you know, I don't have to kill you, but I also don't have to save you either. Like,
1: He was real salty about that beatdown from earlier. <laughs> but Static's good instincts pay off, and he... After the bomb has gone off a little bit in their faces, he saves them from the bigger explosion. And and I guess it was in different ways because the kind of, I, I can't think about the science of this, but <laughs> we find out the next day that Spectral and Trapper will be tried as adults, as I'm pretty sure they are adults.
0: I yeah, that was confusing because I was just <laughs> like they they grown, they look like they pay taxes.
1: <laughs> exactly. Um, so they're tried as adults and as part of the deal of saving little Alva, they gave, Alva gave a big donation to the community center to keep it open. So all's well that ends well after bomb threats and terrorism. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, the things that you would not expect to hear about happening in the hood. And speaking of in the hood, we're going to talk about toys in the hood now as we jump to our next episode. Where Virgil and Richie are on another school trip. They are heading to the forest to investigate some flora and fauna. As we see here that Daisy is just really showing off how smart she is here. Where And Richie is basically calling her a teacher's pet. But this immediately gets cut short as the most terrifying thing. Actually, the second most terrifying thing that I've ever seen starts heading their way. A giant robotic monkey. One of those little clapper monkeys that has like the symbols and just keep jumping around
1: oh yeah yeah this is the monkey you've been waiting for guys because this (laughs) monkey has no mercy and he immediately goes after this bus and of course richie and virgil get to sneak away and turn skiers back for uh, approximately a minute because gear sprains his ankle in this exchange (laughs) and it's up to virgil to try to stop the giant monkey but he is unable and it looks like the robotic King Kong is going to eat Virgil, but someone swoops in to save the day.
0: Yes. Cause now we have the man of tomorrow comes in today for the nice save as he and static get a team up static is just impressed. However, I will say though, that the uh, combined powers of static and Superman it it was just enough to measure up against this monkey. Fortunately, though, Static was able to distract the monkey long enough for Superman to basically take the crushed school bus and throw it through him so that the whole monkey just shattered into a million pieces.
1: Yeah, he won't kill a person, but he will absolutely fuck up a robot. <laughs> like <laughs> Superman. Well, there's no <laughs> way you can
0: snap back together.
1: <laughs> oh, man, I loved it. I love seeing it. I love to see it. Um, savage man of steel superman <laughs> and superman in the aftermath of the battle looks over at gear and using x-ray vision he determines luckily it's just a sprain not a break his leg is cursed
0: how many times is Richie's <laughs> leg <laughs> broken shot at <laughs> Yo, at this point look Richie I'm gonna need him to build a suit of armor for real like he, he has no right to be out there in like a sleeveless tank top and, like, was it like a skin tight bodysuit? Knowing this boy is so breakable, like, it's yeah. not okay at this point. At least build a shield, or something, yeah, something for your legs. <laughs> <laughs> so, the next day, we see that Virgil and Richie are hanging out at school. Richie is using crutches. He, the two of them, are talking about how awesome it was to team up with Superman. Unfortunately, though, no one got a chance to see it, so they'll never get that street cred that they needed to make it up to the Justice League, I guess. And they were wondering, will they ever get a chance to see Superman again? But they do get a chance to counter with Daily Planet reporter Clark Kent. And for us, the comic book fans, the TV show fans, we know that these two are one and the same. So it was just like one of those meta media moments of just like, oh yeah, you are, because he's right here, here to investigate the fight that happened earlier. Yeah, if you weren't sure, this is Clark Kent. He's so jacked.
1: He is <laughs> He's so jacked. Like, how is the suit even containing his rippling muscles? Because damn. Do you think that <laughs> do you think that he guesses stuff from the big and tall section? Or does he just get no? He has to go to the Fortress of Solitude and they have to custom make <laughs> that stuff because there is no way any any human clothes could contain those muscles. Jesus Christ. But so, while Superman is there investigating, he notices that there's a certain he peeks through the walls and sees miss Moore who we saw earlier chatting up with Daisy and they seem really close as a teacher and student and Superman walks in there and goes, what's up Darcy. And for us who have not watched Superman animated series, luckily he gives a quick breakdown of who Darcy is and what, why miss Moore is not who she says she is.
0: Cause again, Darcy is the doll from Superman, the animated series, you know, first seen in 1998 in the, I think it was was like season two or three of the series. I don't remember it was in one of those episodes (laughs) of Superman, the animated series. We learn here that Darcy is a creation of Toy Man, is connected to Toy Man. And Toy Man was just basically in love with her, gave her a personality. And she's been trying to escape Toy Man this entire time. So... As they're talking it through, Clark is just like, you know, let me know what I can do. I can definitely help you. You know, we were able to work alongside each other before, so let's, let's try to make sure you do it again. However, this reunion gets cut short as Clark starts to hear the, the footfalls of this gigantic creation heading their way. And I know that I said that the monkey was the scariest thing I saw. This is actually the scary thing, scariest thing I saw because a giant clown starts heading their way and I do not fuck with clowns I hate them
1: oh my god and especially this one because it, it's strong enough to tear the roof off what of the, the school hell? in one go with barely any effort now you know why they go on field trips because mm-hmm. the school has come <laughs> under attack too many times they're trying to get the kids to safety
0: or there's just no school at this point to actually even go to
1: <laughs> yeah and as uh, Static and Superman are ready to take on this one clown Unfortunately, it's a nesting doll of clowns and more mini clowns pop up to address and try to go after them. So now they're Ugh. dealing with all a bunch of clowns. And unfortunately, in the midst of this, Daisy is abducted inside one of the clowns, all of which are
0: my greatest fears.
1: Simultaneously, because, right? <laughs> it
0: just escalated. They were like, how can we just scare the shit out of Shemar even more? Let's bring in clowns. Let's make the clowns multiply. Let's make the clowns basically eat people. Like this, no, we don't. This is the scariest episode of Static Shock, and we when we watched the the uh, the brain puppets episode. So no, <laughs> so here Superman and Static do get a run for their money here, as uh, Static is being held down by all the clowns, and Superman is able to use his speed and his strength to finally break away from the clowns and help Static out, but. This is when Superman learns that Daisy was kidnapped. And as Superman hears this, he's like, wait, I thought they were heading for Darcy. So as he flies over, this is where he sees that Darcy is no longer on, basically in sight. She's nowhere near the building that she was at. So Static and Superman head on over to try to find out where Darcy currently lives. And this is where we get kind of an update about who Darcy is and this new thinking that Superman has about what actually went down. Which is quickly answered for us as we see that Daisy wakes up in a random factory strapped to the what looks like the world's craziest Easy Bake Oven.
1: Oh, yeah. This thing is real suspect. And then on top of that, you get Toy Man, mm-hmm. who this particular designer, Toy Man, is creepy as hell. Yeah, Some <laughs> soft-spoken dude with a ventriloquist doll face. outfit and way too into the toy aesthetic and he basically explains that darcy wasn't running from toy man she was in fact running to him and her goal the entire time was to get close enough to daisy so that they can make essentially a copy of daisy's body with nanites, essentially like 3d print daisy's body then um darcy after that point darcy would be able to transfer her mind to this new 3d printed body
0: and be human uh-huh. okay so you know how we said that uh spectral and speed trap had a crazy don't make no sense power ability set up here <laughs> this was worse too many steps again <laughs> many, yes even the easy bake up don't have as many steps i like i'm not a
1: villain but again if in this situation wouldn't you go for someone who like wouldn't be missed Or, like, someone in high ranking power of government. I guess the nanite body can't age either. We don't know about that. But, like, how far are you gonna get as a teenage girl when
0: in like two or three years you have not aged at all? Right. Also, why not just grab anybody? Why befriend them first? Like, this didn't make any sense to me. There was a part where they were like talking about intelligence. But I was just like, I don't think intelligence is genetic like that.
1: Yeah, I don't. And she seemed to retain all her memories mm-hmm. when, it, you know, later on. So it's like, I don't. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't. Yeah, it didn't really make sense. Because
0: <laughs> I, I thought she was transferring her robot mind into Daisy's body. That's what I thought too. And then you saw yeah. that random lump of clay in the middle.
1: Yeah, that the nanites, I. I don't know. The plan is (laughs) convoluted, but they're they're going through with it anyway. And luckily, Superman and static do some detective work, because as Virgil says, Richie can find a cotton ball in a blizzard. So they're able to trace a serial number back to the warehouse and static and Superman fly in just in time while static screams booyah and hey, static, (laughs)
0: Cyborgs. So here we do see that the process is done. Uh, Daisy has, there's been a copy made of Daisy. Darcy's mind has been transplanted into this new copy. And this is where we first see from Virgil's eyes, the Darcy, Daisy, and Daisy appearance as he's confused as what's going on. And as Darcy is now kind of commanding Toy Man to just get rid of them, uh, this is when Toy Man sends out what I honestly might think is the coolest Weapon to use against Superman and Static in this scenario, as he has created toy soldiers, like life-sized toy soldiers, not like the March of the Wind toy soldiers from that old movie, but life-sized toy soldiers, and each one of them have been laced with kryptonite. So when Superman is ready to go and fight against these toy soldiers, he's immediately taken out, and because that their has been mixed in with plastic. Static can't do anything against it because they just naturally repel his electricity that he sends forth. And I just thought this part was really cool. I think this was the best toy that Toy Man actually ever created.
1: Oh yeah, I agree. I love this concept. And I love that Toy Man was like, Well, this is a happy coincidence because right. I was just <laughs> I was just trying to get Superman, but this works against you too. This is great. So I do love the, the use of the skillful use of both of these things combined. It it was really nice to, to see. So we have this moment where we're like, we genuinely don't know how the heroes could beat Toy Man at this point. And just when things are at their lowest, Darcy decides, I'm going to double cross Toy Man. So she has a robotic Ken doll.
0: It was definitely a robotic Ken doll. Okay. Mm -hmm.
1: Drives in with a car, busts through the warehouse. And this temporary distraction gives Daisy the opening to free herself from her restraints and run into... A nearby maze, I guess, that Toy Man just had in that warehouse. He had time to build a doll maze, I suppose.
0: I don't know. She's in a maze. (laughs) Yeah, and there was a part of it that seemed to be very influenced by Ace Chemicals, um, who, as you all know, this is where Joker was first created, uh, because there's a giant vat of boiling liquid. It is a greenish boiling liquid that just happens to be open and exposed. And as Darcy is chasing after Daisy, they're able to also trap Toy Man under a, um, a piece of plastic. Um, it was like a plastic container for where like toys actually exist. So this is just like a little slap in the face to me.
1: <laughs> yeah, and Static is able to do that because he's able to create a highly charged atmosphere that mm-hmm. shorts out the RV men's chips (laughs) (laughs) sure sure static and we can't worry about that because right now Darcy is trying to either kill Daisy or turn her into the Joker because she's ready to throw Daisy into an acid vat but static saves her just in time and now we get to the classic which one's Daisy which one's Darcy because even Superman's x-ray vision can't Tell the difference. So there's one more thing left to
0: do. I will say, I'll give it to them that this scenario, this trying to figure out who's the real Daisy was smart. I think that, like, even having it be in that, like, it's even that Superman can't figure it out either makes sense. What I'm trying to figure out is whether this is science fact or science fiction that Virgil drops on us as he explains that all humans. Emit an invisible electrical aura which he can make visible. How do you even find that out? <laughs> Trial and error. <laughs> so he's able to do it, he's able to create this field. So we see that he lights up purple. Everybody's looking super saiyan now at this point, even Superman and Toy Man. Toy Man, I was shocked about because I was just like, I thought this was like a random toy just walking around, <laughs> right. But the only person to not have this aura around them is the Daisy, who's clearly Darcy, who immediately tries to back away with the most powerful weapon, probably, in Toy Man's toy chest of a slingshot that is actually a bomb that, according to Toy Man, could take out a city block. Yep. (laughs) All right. Yep. Um Yep. some Again, of these Toy people Man. just need to get some patents on their shit. Yeah. Exactly. They, they, they will make so much money if they just patent their shit.
1: Exactly. You could be sending people to carry diamonds on trains for you, Toy Man, if you just applied yourself to the U.S. <laughs> government. I'm sure the military would love you. So, because there's he has this huge ping-pong bomb, it looks like Darcy's going to get away free, but then Toy Man reveals that he has a fail-safe that melts Darcy's Daisy body in a horrifying manner. It gru- yes, it's, it's gruesome. And he's like, I have the antidote, but nah, I'm gonna throw it in some acid. <laughs> this was the
0: darkest episode. <laughs> so as Toy Man is taken into custody, Superman also flies off. He has back into Metropolis, we assume. And now Static decides that he's gonna take Daisy home now that she's safe. And he's just commenting to her saying that, like, yo, it's so awesome. You get a chance to hang out with your favorite superhero. And this is when Daisy comments back to him. I know exactly how you feel. Once again, solidifying that Daisy definitely does have a thing for static. You know, where we're wondering when that's ever going to happen because we know Virgil's is also feeling her. Uh, but we'll never find that out. or ever get a chance to try to see, trap the two of them together to see how their relationship will grow. Because we have to talk about a different trap, the parent trap.
1: Here's your standard Dakota mystery because there's a guy breaking into chem labs. He heard how Jack Superman was. So now he's walking around leaving footprints and wood and they're just trying to figure out who this could be. Cause unfortunately can't be our man big afoot because he's locked up right now. <laughs> yeah. They won't
0: let him out. <laughs> I, think, I think it's funny though. we do get this really great little knowledge update as we learned that Bigfoot might actually wear a size 196 wide shoe. Wow, that's a uh, that's close to mine. I I'm, <laughs> I'm impressed that he has the same shoe size. <laughs> it was like this man, y'all, you and Bigfoot will never be able to find a good pair of Jordans, I feel. <laughs> no. They're all stretched out, it's horrible. <laughs> But as Static and Gear are flying about, we see that um, despite this race of them trying to see if you can get home faster, someone does beat them home as Shebang seems to be back in town and she's spying on them, flying around the city.
1: Yes, and as they settle into a gas station of solitude, they're taking off their masks, enjoying a cold root beer, living the dream, and Shebang crawls out from the shadows, prompting them to put on each other's masks which is a pretty pretty great gag to see Mm -hmm. static in the ridiculous gear mask and gear hiding absolutely nothing with
0: them (laughs) (laughs) this is when uh Shanice or Shebang she realizes that she definitely knows that Virgil and Richie are these two super teenage superheroes and it kind of like connects her to them a bit more because again she's a teenage superhero herself and she definitely knows who they are so as they're talking, this is when Shanice reveals that the reason why she's back in town is because her parents have gone missing um, despite the investigation that they're going through to try to take down the company that um, not only bioengineer Shanice, but also her parents have been trapped by this entire time. And she reveals this video recording of her talking to them, which, which is really cool when you think about it, because it was just like, was this like Zoom before Zoom? right is do they have an early Skype like what's going on (laughs) and this is when we see that as shebang is talking with her parents they one she discovers that they are in Dakota and two they hear somebody knocking on the door which leads to an altercation she doesn't see who it is but it's enough of a blast that causes she needs to be alarmed by it and she decides to take her trip to Dakota to try to find her parents hopefully with the help of static and gear but they're not really feeling the fact of teaming back up with her again. (laughs)
1: Yeah, they definitely think she's too close to the case that she can't really be trusted with this. But unfortunately, since she knows their identities, she threatens to out their secret identities if they don't let her participate in the investigation. So they're really left with no choice. And as this new villain with the big feet shows up, to a worksite site chemical.
0: Yes, field it is guy. the uh our it's our, our DC drop of today, day or DC Easter egg. This is the Cowan Chemical Plant, um, named after Dennis Cowan, who has, as you all know, is one of the co-creators of the Static Shock and the Milestone Media series. Um, again, these are just like the random name drops that we always see throughout all their animation. I just thought it was really cool because you know Dennis Cowan just created so much stuff for this world. So kind of glad to see that we're still getting those drops even in season three, which I feel we haven't been seeing as much recently.
1: Yeah, no, no McDuffie community centers and stuff. Like, where's that? <laughs> and so this this guy, this new villain, voiced by Ron Perlman, so basically he's Slade. is Slade Wilson is... a uh, st- st- You can see he's strong enough to stop a truck in its tracks and easily stomp through everything. And he seems to be absorbing different matter so when virgil shows up he does the only thing he can do and he does a kamehameha wave that's pure electricity and
0: it doesn't do much (laughs) no no it's uh it's really surprising just to see how powerful this guy is because he's just like absorbing matter left and right and absorbs this energy and you know you think that um when you see that your top hero static here has been taken down that you know this is when you have to just readjust the strategy but Gear's just like, no. He takes a zap cap that he throws at this guy and immediately encases him in concrete. And he's just like, yeah, this is some straight up concrete. You can't break out of this. No, 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 my friend. You, we, he, this man has been stomping around through concrete. And you thought encasing him in concrete would help? Gear immediately gets knocked out.
1: <laughs> yeah. And Shebang doesn't fare well either. She can't do anything against this dude. She simply can't. There's nothing she has. So it looks like all the team is down. And to make matters more confusing for them, the Shanice's parents show up in these robot mechas. Because, again, straight, this they're... is straight from Alien.
0: This yeah. is...
1: <laughs> How many robot mechas exist in this universe? Like, Jesus. Right? Like, at some point, somebody's got to be putting a patent on these things. Yeah, get some money um elon musk you know musk would have a mecca if he could Mm -hmm. so what's going on with these but in any case now it's clear that her parents are in league with uh the cement guy and they they're also like very hard to operate apparently because they don't and they do look like they're pretty hard to work and in this altercation virgil and richie are sent into the dumpster again, sadly. And even <laughs> a dumpster. <laughs> yeah, I love it. And it becomes clear that this battle is not going well.
0: Yeah, it's definitely trash. Uh, <laughs> so as they are, this gives um, this, the, this heavy dude and Shanice's parents some time to escape as this is where we find out from both sides what's really going on so Shanice when she was grabbed by this guy she immediately recognizes him and her parents do call him out by name call him out by Koenig and this is where we find out from Shanice like you know who this guy is a little bit and how they're connected because but she does seem to be holding some stuff back but more importantly we jump over to where um, Shanice's parents are talking with this guy and it's clear now that this guy can absorb energy and matter to the point where it actually affects his own density And this is where she's enlisted Shanice's parents to try to help him solve this. But it doesn't seem like he truly wants to be helped. And he's also holding them against their will. So they're trying to expedite the process. And as he's basically kind of like messing around with all the stuff and absorbing it to make himself stronger, uh, Shanice's father just basically says like, hey, you need to stop because you're getting... You know, getting too dense, getting too heavy for the machinery. We can't keep recalibrating this. And it's ironic because it's just like, it's a little bit of fat shaming here. Um, yeah. Wow. <laughs> it's like, I see where they're coming from, but at the same time, it's just like, bro, you could have worded that a little differently. Do better. Right. Do better. <laughs> but
1: it now becomes clear why things have gone so south. It's because this guy, Koenig, has put poison collars on the Shanice's parents. And unless they do everything he wants and fix his density problem before he becomes too dense to move, he will poison them and just let them die. So at this point, Shanice is catching on. She's, she's kind of, she already made the connection because she knew Koenig. So she kind of sensed what was go- going on earlier. But Static is just a step behind but luckily, as they're looking through archive photos of all the scientists, Static's really good at Photoshop. So he's able to <laughs> see that Koenig is the cement guy. I sure, sure. Okay.
0: Most unbelievable power set revealed today.
1: Yeah.
0: Can you do that in Canva? Can you figure out who a super villain is? <laughs> no, never. One, you know, one of these days, I'm pretty sure they'll have an update for Canva for me to learn how to do that. <laughs>
1: It's necessary because that's what provides the break in the case, and it can't be better timing. Because as they try to cure Koenig from his cement condition, the parents realize they can't do it. (laughs) Why? Who cares? They can't do it. (laughs) And so Koenig activates the collars, he's ready to just murk these parents right away. And luckily, Virgil and Richie show up in time because, again, Shebang can't really do anything against his living statue. So Richie goes to decode the collars while Virgil just gets beat up in the parking lot by the by Koenig. And we would normally go intricately into the battle and how cool it was, but uh, not much of a battle here because <laughs> Richie just decodes the poison collars. Koenig gets too heavy and falls... Through the parking garage. Like. Like Statham in Furious 7. Oh my God. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Remember that? He survived. And then they were like, he survived? I was like, no. <laughs> a parking garage fell on top. He's a human man. <laughs> that we know of, apparently. <laughs> I guess not. But yeah, so since Static didn't have to do anything to win. They just call it a day. Some police come. They pick up Koenig to take him God knows where. Um, she- Shebang's like, hey, maybe we're a team. And Verta was like, maybe. And uh, because we reached the time limit, that's the end of the episode.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we got our first episode here with Trouble Squared, followed by Toys in the Hood, followed by The Parent Trap. In this set of episodes that compile blast from the past mainly because we just got a chance to see like you know with Shanice's parents and just seeing her come back and also the fact that she knows Koenig and all these other things the animation style what episode did it for you and what episode you're still looking at it just saying like what happened to you?
1: can we bring little Romeo back like, <laughs> something uh, yeah these can't this afford is... them. <laughs> no yeah probably can't Uh it's safe to say this is the weakest batch of episodes we've ever (laughs) compiled in one. Um, None of them really are up to the level of quality we kind of expect. And Mm. it's weird because these three episodes have no bang baby enemies. So you would think without that limitation they would do more interesting things, but they don't. Um, (laughs) Koenig is a result of experimentation. Specs and Trapper are tech. Toyman is not Sadik's villain. So, yeah, they don't do anything interesting with uh, the non-Bang bang Baby format. All that to say, if we're going to say the best episode, it's got to be Toys in the Hood just by default because um, mm-hmm. you got some fun Superman action. The plastic kryptonite army man is a cool concept. Just don't think about the plot too hard at all and you'll have a good time. And... In the race to the bottom, <laughs> I mean, I, I swear I don't hate Shebang, but it's also Parent Trap for me as the bottom episode because once again, I feel like you have a cool... Shebang is such a cool concept. And I almost expected if I were to see her again, we'd do an episode where there's other creations like her mm. that come back. But here it's just telling a very random story with a villain and you have ron perlman as your yeah. villain and he's defeated without the hero doing anything Ugh, like, <laughs> this is robin got that work every time he looked in Slade's <laughs> direction Slade like, wasn't even like superhuman in the teen no. time series And he was all, and Robin was always collecting those L's. He had a full, he had a guy that could blast a laser through titanium and he still couldn't beat Slade. But here, gravity and weight (laughs) defeat the villain? (laughs) Absolutely not. Specs and Trapper may be OP, but at least Static had to give some effort. Here, between Static not giving any effort, between another wasted appearance from Shebang and just the plot that just, wasn't that interesting when you take out the elements of yeah i'm gonna expose your secret identities unless we do hero stuff yeah it, it didn't work for me and the last thing i'll say about that too is they in the first time shebang showed up the rivalry made sense between the two mm. but here the rivalry doesn't really i don't understand why virgil is so pissed at her at all for this whole episode so
0: agree because they definitely made up by the end of their first encounter so it doesn't make sense to kind of i'd be more shocked just to see shebang pop up rather than and just be confused and like dive into a little bit of what this place is that she's like connected to don't have it be reliant on this heavy man dude who clearly didn't really even seem to be kind of a um like a force behind the the creation her own creation she just he just happened to be a co-worker like, this doesn't, it didn't really make any sense to kind of, like, fall into this.
1: Yeah, agreed. Agreed. So, uh, yeah, where do you stand in this glass from the past? Where, who's best, who's worst? Uh, there's no wrong answers here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, I'm going to say this. I 100% agree with both of your choices. I think, um, you know, best episode, just given, just based off circumstance, it I think was Toys in the Hood. I think it's because of the fact that, you know, it's, uh, it, it, it felt very much on par with the um, static episode with the Justice League you know we were we were mentioning how we didn't get a chance to see how he would interact with Superman here we got a chance to but honestly it just felt like an extension of that Superman episode obsession with um, when we first met Darcy um, and then for Parent Trap it, it's just too confusing it definitely felt like a, a one-off thing that they were just trying to bring back Shanice into but it it didn't really make any sense because we didn't get any more history about her own backstory it was just more about like her parents who didn't even really have much input in that except being that we're being held against our will by by heavy man and the last thing I'm just going to say about um, our Specs and Trapper episodes Trouble Squared the only issue that I really have with it is not well sorry not only issue there are several issues we take that back because the science was not sciencing in that one the other issue that i have is just that with the i love the season finale that where we saw edwin alva jr being turned into this thing and then you know having it be that we're bringing him back to try to see if we can solve the issue I think there were too many storylines that were going on all at the same time in that episode. Like, I understand, like, you needed the thing about the about the community center. Like, that felt felt appropriate. You needed the thing about the Evan Alva thing. Like, that felt appropriate. But including Specs and Trapper, like, they, I just feel like one of the pieces just didn't align with the others. Like, they take out one, everything matches up pretty well. But something with all three of them is kind of like the... Uh, the Spider-Man 3, Amazing Spider-Man 2 scenario where it's just like, it's too many villains, too many stories going on at the same time. It's easy to poke holes into it. And that's why it was just like, even though it was really cool to see all the action sequences and seeing that static is the type of hero now that will, won't will kill you but, will def- but may leave you behind, it just felt like something was either missing or the stories just didn't flow as accurately as we thought it could.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think the the commonality between all three villain plans and this may be because it's not a Bang Baby episode where if it's a Bang Baby villain episode a lot of it can be blamed on the fact that these kids are young mm-hmm. they don't really think past they don't think too complex about their plan so we can forgive when Francis just throws flames at the school We're like that's a kid that's a kid response but here none of the plans make any particular sense. <laughs> Koenig if you want to be healed from your heavy condition, what benefit does it do to you to kill these people at all? <laughs> that doesn't help you at all. That's just pure spite. You you would be incentivized to keep them alive. For Specs and Trapper, why did you think stealing Static was going to help in the middle of this like sun crisis right. and then you heal the sun? What and then you're going to kill the sun if you didn't pay the ransom? Just wait for the ransom. And, yeah, Darcy's whole thing, why target a student, get to know her life? If you need to get to know someone's life, try, like, a twisted CEO or, like, Maxwell Lord or somebody. Why waste your time trying to infiltrate a high school? It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. So, yeah, I think, overall,
0: the the villain plans here were just garbage. Yeah, just so bad. And, fortunately for us, there isn't any... Comic book connections to any of these. So these are definitely just made for TV episodes. Um, you know, a lot of it was just continuing storylines and trying to wrap up some things. Like, you know, we definitely have with Edwin Alva Jr. that blow blast from the past there of trying to see if there's anything that we can do to help change Omnifarious back into a normal being, a normal human being. Then we have with the, you know, we needed our static Superman crossover. I think this is just a standard that we just get with any kind of DC production. Um, you know, we, we needed that. We needed an opportunity for them to connect at some point, though I probably wish that it was definitely steel for Superman, to be honest. And then finally, just with Parent Trap, you know, we it's a journey that we're going on right now with Shanice and Shebang, her trying to finally get out of the clutches of the, I think it was the um, the company that she's connected to. And it is a three episode story arc. So we reached, we reached the point where it's just like, hopefully by the next episode, it is a bit more of that tipping point. We can finally see what, Happens to her after she has solved her entire scenario of finally being able to be the kid that she wants to be to be able to go bowling and get that perfect game and have her picture being plastered up on the walls, like all that kind of stuff. Unfortunately, all these episodes just fell short where they could have um gained some speed because you know we we've wanted that connection based off of there. There's some comic book stuff in terms of like Superman didn't get a chance to team up with static in the worlds collide. Um, story arc that they had with the DC and Milestone's first crossover event, but you know now we got a chance to see it here. But again, there isn't much that we could pull from it. Thankfully, there isn't because these episodes are just kind of the ones where it's just like you, you recognize they exist into the Static Mythos and the Static Universe, but uh, they're not quite essential to to the Static viewing and understanding of the character that he is. To be honest,
1: yeah, it just feels these feel phoned in. These yeah. feel like. <laughs> The leftovers to fill a season order but yeah definitely not the quality we're used to for this show and you know i it's been a while since we had anything that was seriously as bad as static shack or more <laughs> the 99 percent of germs but here we are again <laughs>
0: Well, that wraps up our episode here, and we are—we hope that within the next two episodes will be the season finale of season three. Though they're not a two-parter, um, they do connect very well into just like really kind of defining Static as a hero that he is, and really connects his past to his future. So, until then, take care of yourselves, and remember that there's no need to fat shame anybody. A heavy Man, you know, he didn't need to get that disrespect about how he wasn't going to get cured if he you know wasn't going to you know just stop taking in all these things so don't fat shame people
1: and on the same token if somebody walks around jacked and you're intimidated remember they're probably superman in disguise so eat that donut it's not going to change anything